Good Monday morning, everyone. Welcome into the Fumbling Punter Podcast. I'm your host, Devin Keeney. Give us a follow on Twitter at Fumbling Punter or check out our Facebook page. Give it a like, give it a follow. I'm still not completely up on how Facebook works. So, however, you want to try to consume that, go for it. It will hopefully be another avenue for us to reach our audience. And hopefully you all will enjoy some of that on Facebook. So it's been since Thursday since we have hosted a show, since I have hosted a show. And getting back into things, big weekend in sports. I was able to watch a little bit more sports than normal, do a little bit more reading than normal. So that may have a bit to do with the show today. It's going to be long. Uh, Something I'm going to try to do as well is give you all a rundown, kind of kind of talk a little bit in advance about what we're going to be talking about on the show. That way, maybe maybe you don't like the NBA. Maybe you don't like, I would say football, but everybody loves football. Maybe you don't like a certain subject I'm talking about, and you just want to kind of flip to get to what we're talking about that does pique your interest. So today, I'm going to be touching a little bit on North Carolina Duke, Matt Harvey, the Dark Knight, returns and pitches against the Cardinals. I'll be taking on NCAA bubble teams, just a couple in there. The NFL Draft Combine, a lot coming from that this weekend, as well as Reuben Foster's Hospital Gate. Going to touch a little bit on Colin Kaepernick and hitting him hitting free agency in the short future, as well as talking a little bit of local college sports, getting into uh, Missouri State, retaining their head coach Paul Lusk, and Mizzou doing the exact opposite and firing their head coach. So let's get the show started. All right. So yesterday, Matt Harvey pitched for the first time since June 4th, 2016 uh, against the St. Louis Cardinals. And probably the thing that stuck out the most to me and probably should have stuck out to a lot of you was his fastball velocity was down from the high 90s to, I believe his first pitch was clocked at about 92 miles an hour. So that would be a big big red flag if I were the New York Mets, Terry Collins, or if I were his agent or any team looking to possibly go after him at the end of this season. I'm not saying that guys that throw 92-93 can't be successful because a lot of guys are. Greg Maddox never threw 90 miles an hour. He lived in the upper 80s, but he hit his spots. But when you built your short career as Matt Harvey has on being able to just roast the ball by people. And then all of a sudden you don't have that ability. What will the learning curve be of maybe adjusting your game, knowing you just kind of like I talked about a little bit with Trevor Rosenthal, how you have to start becoming a pitcher and quit becoming a thrower. So we'll see what that looks like for Matt Harvey. He is the media's dandy. People at ESPN love to talk about the Dark Knight. The New York media loves to talk about the Dark Knight. And I still predict that he will eventually become an overpaid Yankee. However, if I'm the New York Mets, the guys that I'm really looking forward to uh, signing, keeping, locking up long-term are Noah Syndergaard and Jacob deGrom. Even though there's been a lot of talk about the other guys, the other young pitchers coming up in the Mets organization over the last few years, DeGrom and Syndergaard have been by far 
the two best in my opinion, and I don't think that I would get a lot of pushback on that. There are some Matt Harvey fans, but you know, you really can't argue with DeGrom and Syndergaard at this point in time. But anytime, anytime you have two guys like that, and then they still have Wheeler, Mats, Harvey, the Mets will uh, still have a solid future ahead of them, and we will definitely hit on the New York Mets during the pod or during the baseball podcast with Lucas Jones coming up. I am still very much looking forward to that, and had to make a little sound adjustment there. So if I wasn't quite as loud earlier in the podcast, hopefully you didn't give up, but. No, the Mets are in a pretty good situation overall with all of that young talent that they have acquired. Duke, North Carolina Saturday night was an awesome game. That is probably the most fun I've had watching. Of course, I'm a Mizzou fan, so that is the most fun I have had watching college basketball in at least like four years. (laughs) But it was a great game. Uh, Duke really hung around. I think North Carolina definitely has a little bit more talent than Duke this year. Duke did not look to have any great inside presence against them they also didn't seem to be able to stop them from driving so I think that uh, as much as I like Duke this year I do like uh, Luke Kennard I think he's an awesome dude Uh, Jason Tatum I think he's going to be a big NBA player Uh, he was a big prospect coming out of St. Louis in high school dad was a good basketball player as well and I am also a big fan of ESPN's villain Grayson Allen I think he's a Fun, talented player to watch. But I just don't know. And Duke could get hot. You know, they shoot a lot of outside shots. Tatum can get to the rim whenever he wants to. So I wouldn't completely count them out this year, although I'm not. I When, I, when it comes to filling out my bracket, I don't know that I'm going to have Duke much past the Sweet 16. Because, like I said, they weren't able to stop dribble penetration from Carolina and they weren't able to do anything on the inside. Carolina looked good, though. You know, if you're going to fill out your bracket here in the next couple of weeks, then that's a team I would definitely keep an eye on because they have, they won the ACC regular season title, which especially with uh, after conference realignment, that that's a tough task. Notre Dame, Louisville, Syracuse, Duke. I mean, the ACC is a tough basketball conference, so anytime that you can win that outright says a lot about your team, and I think that Roy has a good one to build on going here into March Madness. So as much as I generally hate bracketologists and the NCAA selection committee, first off, 68 teams make the tournament now. It's not college basketball. You know, no, or it's not college football, rather. No one is getting left out that is overly deserving. But a couple of teams that I've seen maybe in, like, the bubble, the first four in, last four out, that I think should be solidly in are Arkansas, who their RPI is 25. They're 23-8 and eight on the season, 12-6 and six in the SEC. Their only bad loss is to Missouri. And I don't hold a bad loss against a rival against a team because you know you're getting the a better Missouri team than maybe George is getting because there's a little bit of extra fire in their bellies whenever they go to face their rival. So I think the Hogs should be in, especially with that good RPI, 12-6 and six in the SEC. I know everybody loves to hate on SEC basketball because they can't beat the SEC in football, but I think that the Hogs are a deserving team. 
Also, uh, doing a little bit of uh, Homerism, March Madness, uh, Arch Madness, I should say. Illinois State. Illinois State has a RPI of 40. They went 27, or they're 27 and 6 after today's loss to Wichita State, who people were also talking about being on the bubble. They were ranked number 21 in the country. If you are ranked, if you are one of the top 25 teams in the country, you should be in the NCAA tournament. I don't think there's a lot of rocket science to that. But Illinois State, 27-6, 17-1 in their conference. They uh, they got harped on for only playing like four or five teams in the RPI Top 100. But, they listen, nobody from a Power 5 conference wants to go to Peoria or wherever Illinois State is and get their butts kicked and look bad to their donors, to their fans, to their recruits. They don't want to lose those games. So if you take care of business in conference, you go 17-1, you're 27-6 on the season, you should be in the NCAA tournament. Uh, hometown team, Missouri State, has gotten licked on that a couple of times. And, uh, you know, if it's, it's just it's a diss to schools without a lot of brand recognition is all it comes down to. It, like I said, it's happened to Missouri State a couple of times. It may happen to Illinois State this year, but I really hope that the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee makes the right choice and puts both the Illinois State Redbirds and the Arkansas Razorbacks in the NCAA Tournament. I'm sure there's a couple of uh, Arkansas listeners that are really pretty pumped about <laughs> me giving the Hogs a little bit of love right there. Also, everybody's talking about Northwestern being in the tournament for the first time. How has Northwestern never, in the history of the NCAA tournament, even made it? I get you have some down years, and I've really gotten that as a Missouri fan the last three or four years, but I don't know how you never made the tournament. There are some off-the-wall teams. Indiana University, Purdue University, at Indianapolis has been in. I mean, there's some pretty oddball teams, and I know they have the benefit of being in maybe a smaller conference, but to have never made it blows me away. I know Northwestern is a very good academic school, and, you know, those better academic institutions do crack down on academics a little bit more, especially as far as admissions go. So maybe Northwestern missed out on a few guys, but the fact that they have never been to the tournament blows my mind and I'm sure Ravel's going to be shoving that down our throats for the next couple of weeks but congratulations to them and it's just still kind of a mind-boggling stat to me that they have never been in the NCAA tournament before. So the NFL Draft Combine is wrapping up. I, uh, I do my combine scouting on the field during the season for the two or three years that these young men are playing at their schools. Either you can play or you can't play Draft nerds looking at hand sizes, I'm looking at what scheme do they play in, how do they fit a certain team system, you know, that's kind of how I base my stuff by, but draft nerd's going to draft nerd. Uh, you know, size, hands, 40 time, the ten, or the three cone shuttle. You know, I saw Leonard, I saw people really harping on Leonard Fournette for his vertical not being good. Leonard Fournette doesn't need to jump over anybody. He's going to bulldoze through them. If you are maybe not taking Leonard Fournette because he doesn't have a good vertical leap, then you are probably not building a very good NFL franchise. 
because Leonard Fournette trucks people. Watch that tape against Auburn this year. He's a beast. The one thing that I saw in the NFL Combine this weekend that I was impressed with was John Ross from uh, wide receiver from Washington ran a four two two forty. That's fast. And as anyone who watched the Kansas City Chiefs saw this year, you can do a lot with a fast guy that can catch the ball. Look at Tyreek Hill. So maybe, you know, there's a couple of instances like that. But, you know, DHB, uh, Darius Hayward Bay, had ran some ridiculous track time at the Combine. And Al Davis did Al Davis and drafted him with, like, the fifth or sixth overall pick. And, you know... DHB's had a long career, but maybe not a top five career. And so, like I said, I just don't get caught up too much into the draft, into hand sizes, into most of the stuff that goes along with the NFL Combine. I I think it's ridiculous that Chad Kelly didn't get an invite. I've long been driving the Chad Kelly to the Kansas City Chiefs bandwagon. And the dude is a real knucklehead, but he's not had any violent offenses that I'm aware of. And so if you're going to keep a guy out for just off-field shenanigans and just kind of his shenanigans in general, then, I mean, there's a lot of not-so-nice guys that make the NFL Combine every year. I think it was kind of ridiculous that they didn't invite Chad Kelly. I wouldn't shy away from him because I watched him torch Alabama two years in a row. Speaking of Alabama... Alabama linebacker Reuben Foster was dismissed from the combine for an argument with hospital staff. How dumb is that? You're a potential top 10 pick and you're asked to leave over an argument with what I'm just assuming was a nurse, maybe a front desk person. If you're an agent, you should tuck these guys away from the time they leave campus until after the draft and then send a PR person with them everywhere they go and have them answer to that PR person. Reason, I mean, not being polite and cooperative may have cost Foster five to $10 million over his rookie contract. I would be polite and extremely helpful to anyone if I were gonna make five to $10 million a year more for the next four years. I'm sorry, not per year, that was over the life of the contract. But what these kids at times, and I get it, we've all been 19, 20, 21, 22, they fail to realize is pro athletics isn't accounting. Your pro career in athletics, if you're lucky, is three to ten years, maybe less. So you have three to ten years to make all of the money that you can make off your athletic ability in your life in those three to ten years. It's not like being an accountant where at 45 to 55 years old, you're at the top of your profession. Which is why doing something stupid like getting kicked out of the con- or being asked to leave the combine for an argument with a hospital worker and possibly dropping from the 9th to the 28th pick means so much in terms of your financial future and your career earnings. So do the right thing here. I mean, it's pretty simple, you know. You go somewhere, someone asks you to do something, smile, nod, move on, and make that money. On to a little Colin Kaepernick talk. Reports from Colin Kaepernick's agent says he is going to opt out of his contract with the San Francisco 49ers. I would be kind of amazed if he finds a landing spot. And, you know, I'm, I'm not, this show is not a political show, not ever meant to be that, and I'm not going to talk about that now. 
But when he decided to protest, everyone took a side. What I saw was a media frenzy and looked for past comparisons. I found two. Johnny Manziel and New York Mets minor leaguer Tim Tebow. All three, for various reasons, had a massive media following. I mean, just a media frenzy at every practice, OTAs, all sorts of stuff. And when that distraction starts to outweigh your performance, you were expendable. And that's what Colin Kaepernick has done to himself. The last two really landing spots I see for him are probably Buffalo and Cleveland. But people may say it's because of, you know, his views and keeping him off of the team. But I think it's just like the situation with Tim Tebow and Johnny Manziel where the distraction around them was worth more than the potential and the skill they had on the field. I think if people didn't follow and didn't give so much, if TMZ wasn't at every Browns practice, that Johnny Manziel would still be in the league. Not going to be Tom Brady, but he would still have a spot somewhere in the league. I think that if every media outlet in the world didn't follow Tim Tebow every time he walked on the street into practice, into the locker room, that Tim Tebow would have still gotten a chance to play in the NFL. Because, like I said, coaches don't want that kind of distraction when their job is very specifically to win football games. It's not, I mean, that crazy of a stance. Coaches are hired, fired, and retained on winning and losing football games. If there is any sort of outside distraction, as you saw with all three of these guys, then they don't want that. They want to focus on football. You see, you talk, you hear about guys like uh, Harbaugh who was sleeping in his office. These guys care a lot. And I'm not saying that the three guys that I mentioned before don't. But, and it's not all completely been their fault, you know, what the media does and doesn't cover. It's not, you know, not necessarily their fault. But I don't think that I would ever, if I were in their shoes, try to try to encourage any of that media attention, I would kind of put my head down and maybe Kaepernick will be able to do that and revitalize his career. We will still see. On to talking a little uh, local college hoops, local as in the state of Missouri, the city of Springfield specifically. Uh, first starting at the state of Missouri, Kim Anderson was let go by Mizzou over the weekend. I've touched on Anderson before. Uh, he didn't recruit. He The cupboard was pretty bare when he arrived in Columbia, and he had three pretty atrocious seasons. He went 26 and 67. No one is keeping their job after going 26 and 67 at a university like Missouri. And now Mizzou has to make a strong hire, spend some money, and I swear, I swear, if I hear one person say, oh, he's a Mizzou guy, I will vomit. After looking around at all, I looked around at a lot of guys, you know, who could fill the opening. I've seen people mention as many as 12 names, and you know, a lot of those names you're going to hear are Greg Marshall, Tom Crean, Frank Martin, Will Wade from VCU, and others. I think that Quanzo Martin is the guy, without a doubt. Quanzo is from East St. Louis, so he hopefully will be able to recruit the St. Louis area well, and more importantly... All he has done is won everywhere he's been. He won at Missouri State. He won at Tennessee. He's winning at Cal. I think he is the answer. So, Jim Sterk, Mizzou Athletic Director, please hire Quanzo Martin. That is the best bet. 
Now, Sturt did hire Steve Fisher, who coached the Fab Five at Michigan, to take over at San Diego State, and that was a really great hire. San Diego State went from kind of, uh, you know, a not very big-name college basketball school to really putting up some good years under St- Steve Fisher when Jim Sturk was in Sa- at San Diego State. So do the right thing, Jim. Back a dump truck of money to Quanzo Martin's house and get him to Columbia. On to Quanzo Martin's old team, the local Missouri State Bears. MSU announced that they are bringing Paul Lusk back for a seventh season, and I can only assume that it has 100% to do with financial purposes. The Bears underperformed in conference this year, and they've gone 88 and 106 under Paul Lusk. They haven't even sniffed the tournament or even the NIT. I think that Missouri State is missing out on a great chance to be the show in Springfield. I mean, a good Missouri State basketball team, it's the only team in Springfield that competes on the highest level. The football team is a football championship series, so they don't play with the big guys at the FBS level. We have a double-A baseball team and a junior league hockey team. So, Missouri State is the only team that if they get good, you can watch on ESPN that you can see on SportsCenter. They could be the golden ticket here in Springfield. I would try to emulate uh, Wichita State and Creighton, hire a young talent coach, and then pay him so much he will never want to leave. So moving into our final segment here, the Blues got a win at Colorado last night, 3-0. And I know it wasn't the, maybe the best game they've played all year, but when you're at this point in the season, you're battling for an eighth spot to get into the playoffs, you have to beat teams like Colorado. So Jake Allen played well, didn't allow a goal. The, uh, the young guys looked pretty good. I really liked uh, Schmaltz getting his first action in the NHL. Uh, I thought he looked sharp, you know, and uh, Yo trusted him down the stretch. I like that Schwartz, you know, was kind of getting was kind of getting fourth line time last night. Or not Schwartz, I'm sorry, Yori Laterra. The scholarship as they like to say. But so going down the stretch here, I think that, you know, you have to win those games against Arizona, Colorado. You have to beat teams that you are better than. And, you know, that's what you got to do to get into the playoffs. So hopefully the Blues keep it up. Hopefully Jaden Schwartz finally gets a goal. He uh, He's really not had much love on that here lately. The Blues have a tough stretch coming up, eight games in two weeks. I said before all this started they need to go 4-2-2 two, and two, to make the playoffs. But one of those games is against L.A. It is in the Staples Center, so you know that's who they're really battling with on points right now. Uh, Winnipeg is really coming up behind them fast in the standings. So hopefully the Blues are able to get in the playoffs, you know. I mean, Minnesota's looked really good this year. Chicago's looked really good this year. San Jose will be tough. But as long as they get into the playoffs, I think you'll have a happy fan base. So that's all for me. It's been a fun morning. Uh, Hopefully you guys really enjoyed the content. Hopefully you'll give us a share on Facebook, a share on Twitter, whatever medium you're using. Give us a... Subscribe and give us a review on iTunes and check out the website, fumblingpunter.com. 
Everybody have a good couple of days. For the Fumbling Punter, I am Devin Keeney.